0: If there is one thing that we learned from the win from the Cowboys over the LA Rams is that it is time for fans to put some respect on two of the most underrated Cowboys players. Heck, the two most underrated Cowboys players on the team. Let's get to it. Here we go. (laughs) What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Prime Time. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, if you enjoy the show, do me a favor and hit the like button for me because that is the biggest thing that you can do to help out the show. Packed show tonight, as we are ready to hit on several topics regarding the Cowboys. Uh, We're going to start with two of the most underrated players in the NFL right now. And in my opinion, the two most underrated players on the Cowboys right now. And that is Oza on the defensive line. And officially, we are in territory where Marquise Bell might be the second most underrated player on the team. We'll get into all of the details why in a little bit. We'll also talk about the reports regarding Jalen Johnson and the Cowboys' interest for Jalen Johnson in the trade market, whether or not uh, that is legit, where he would hypothetically fit, and all sorts of questions around that. And since it is a Monday night, we'll also talk about overreactions around the NFL and we'll have our, our overreaction monday segment as every week from now on uh, brought that segment back last week and i don't want to get rid of it because it's something that i really enjoy so welcome everyone as we speak right now game 3 of the world series is being played so whether you are focusing on primetime or having it to the side while baseball is being being played uh, i appreciate you thank you so much for choosing to listen to primetime simultaneously or fully if you are not into baseball at all. Let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh let me say hi very quickly in the chat. We've got Juan Daniel on Facebook. We've got Gregory on YouTube. Mark. We've got Al also as face on Facebook. Uh, We've got Justin, Toxic Tom, Mark, Joey Bella. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, everybody. Let's get right to it. You know, watching the stats today. And watching the TV replay, I have not gotten my hands on the old 22 yet. That will happen tomorrow morning. But watching the replay, watching the, or looking at the stats, one thing is clear two of the most underrated Cowboys players shined versus the LA Rams during the Cowboys 43 20 win, which was an absolute beatdown in week eight. And you got to start with Oza Odigizua on the defensive line. We've known, that Osa has been underrated for a while. We've known that Osa had a unique opportunity to really level up in 2023. We heard about the preparation. We talked about him learning about how Aaron Donald prepared and how some of the best in the NFL prepared. And he talked about wanting and desiring to take that game to the next level. And boy, he has done so. He is one of the most dominant three techniques in the NFL as of today. And that is no longer our expectations for Osa doing the talking. It is the actual play on the field from the Cowboys' defensive linemen. You know how important it is for any defense to have somebody like that on the interior defensive line. Big reason, a big reason why the Cowboys dominate in the trenches is A, the attention that they have to put on Micah Parsons, and B, how, honestly, at this point, you've got to account for Oza. Because if you have somebody like Odigisuwa who can dictate where the pass pro is going, and you put him on one side and you put Micah on the other, that presents such a unique challenge for opposing offensive lines. And I also believe that's part of the reason why it's working and why Oza is playing at such a high level. He's not only playing at a high level, but he's also getting a lot of one-on-one situations that you enjoy to watch uh, for Osa for because that in those spots, he can win consistently. Now, let's get to the numbers, though, which is what I wanted to do today because you and me, we know about Osa being good, but maybe we haven't fully envisioned just exactly how good. And this tweet is from Patrick no C. Walker regarding the game versus the Rams. And he was noting how Osa actually outperformed Micah Parsons in terms of pressure rate versus the Rams. So he had a higher pressure rate than Micah did. And we're talking about Micah being a edge rusher and Oza being an interior defensive lineman. He had six pressures as opposed to Micah's eight versus the Rams. And if you look at the season-wide numbers, it gets even better. Pass rush win rate among defensive linemen, inside defensive linemen, Osa is seventh best in the entire NFL. And the guys that are above him are, are mostly the guys you would expect. So you get Quinn Williams, and you get Aaron Donald, and you get Chris Jones, the top defensive tackles in the NFL. And that's where Oza is right now. That is the conversation that he is at, at right now. And what about the run defense, you might ask? Oza is also playing at such a high level there. Profitable focus rates him as the seventh best interior defensive lineman. And I know what you're thinking. PFF grades, they're controversial. Who knows what that means? But the stats also you know, prove Osa's impact. And the film does, of course. But Osa is one of the uh, defenders with the most stops in the Cowboys. As of today, he's having tackles for loss. He's making plays. He's stuffing the line of scrimmage. He's just being consistent out there. And it is really, it it really is, excuse me, one of the biggest reasons. Got excited there for a second. I apologize. And it is one of the biggest reasons why the Cowboys are dominating on defense. When you've got a pass rusher duo made up of the Marcus Lawrence and, and Michael Parsons, and then a three technique up on uh, the, like Osa, excuse me, you're going to dominate the trenches all day long. Especially when you add a heavy rotation behind these guys. Like after Armstrong, after Parsons and Lawrence, it comes Armstrong, it comes uh, Sam Williams. Dante Fowler, Jr., got to love all of that. Here we go. Toxic Tom says, interior defensive line pressure. And then some emojis. Been wanting this in Dallas since Ratliff. Colin says, what about the run defense? I might ask. Exactly. Exactly, Colin. And it is true because, man, you look at the pressure rates and you look at the Cowboys' criticism in terms of the Cowboys' excuse me criticism that the Cowboys, I'm sorry, I'm worked up today. It's game three of the World Series. We're here talking about dominant defensive linemen in Dallas. I can get excited. I'll take a deep breath now and go at it. Usually the Cowboys defense is very criticized for what they do in the run game. So you talk about Osa being out there with those high pressure rates and him getting those QB pressure totals close to Micah Parsons, at least in a per game basis, like on Sunday versus the Rams, where he had six to Micah's eight. And everyone might think, well, what about the run game? Because the Cowboys have not looked as dominant at times versus the run. But Osa is actually pretty good versus it as well. And he is not missing assignments or anything like that. Now, speaking about that, let me ask you in the chat, From 1 to 10, how much has Marquise Bell exceeded your expectations as he has taken up a new position? He was formerly a safety, takes on on the challenge to learn how to play linebacker and absolutely shines doing it eight weeks into the season. From 1 to 10, how much has Marquise Bell exceeded your expectations As a Cowboys linebacker. Because to me, that is my second most underrated player on the Dallas Cowboys. It's got to be Marquis Bell. As Juan Daniel here says, "Land." I think that he's suggesting him as a underrated player. And I think that right now we are at a point where everyone has caught up on De'Ron Land. We all know about Bland. So that's why we're not I'm not including him tonight among my underrated players. I think that everyone is coming around to understanding and admitting and acknowledging what Bland brings to the table as a boundary cornerback for Dallas. With Marquis Bell though, I think we're still realizing it little by little and a big a big reason why is what happened on Sunday. I'll talk more about it in a little bit here. I love the scores that you guys are dropping in the chat right now. Jerma says nine. Ronnie goes with a seven. Marcus is nine so far. Katharina with the eight. Uh, UDFA says Toxic Tom. That's a 10 for him. Colin says, I always thought that Marquise Bell was a player, but I didn't think he was a linebacker. Peter Rizzo goes with a seven. Colin goes with a 10. Mark Aaron says 10. Gilbert says eight. Kimberly, eight. A lot of high scores right now. Justin drops a 10 as well. I'm going to go with a 10 too. It might sound crazy, but it is the only correct answer, in my opinion. Here's why Not only is Bell a second year undrafted free agent that is starting on your defense, he is a second year starter, undrafted free agent. And I know that starter comes with an asterisk because He's a starter because of injuries. But you get what I'm saying. He is being the guy that is replacing Leighton Van Der Esch at the linebacker position. But here's where it gets really crazy for me. Marquis Bell is not only a second-year undrafted free agent, and he is not only a second-year player who changed positions because that doesn't tell the full story. He is an undrafted free agent, second year in the NFL, who not only changed positions, but did so late in August. This was after the second preseason game from the Cowboys. Marquis Bell did not spend training camp learning how to play linebacker, because that would be totally different, right? It would still be impressive as heck, but it would be different. Maybe he would have transformed his body a little bit better. Maybe he would have added some weight had he known that he was going to be playing in the second level instead of in the in the secondary. But he didn't. It was all from one day to another season ending. Injury for the Marvion overshone. And the Cowboys did not hesitate. He they instead said, you know what, I'm transition you and you're going to be on the field pretty often. And then Van Der Esch goes down. And suddenly, they're not asking you to be a rotational piece that will enter the game here and there. You are out there starting, and you're playing about half of the snaps now, much more on Sunday, which is part of the reason why I'm super surprised at his work. Not only that, though, but he is still playing as an undersized linebacker. So it's logical, because he just started playing late in August, but he cannot transform his body midseason. So he is still playing a very physical position at the NFL level while being significantly undersized. Because to me, he's still significantly undersized. When you look at the weight, when you look at the height and just like the bulk of him as a player, he is he looks small where he is playing, but he makes up for it in physicality in the way that he runs downhill to make plays. In the way that he explodes sideline to sideline, he's very uh, He's looking so good in coverage. He's looking good against the run. And this is where the surprise for me goes to the next level. It's not only all of that, the numbers suggest he's been even better than we think. DFF has him rated as the number one linebacker in the entire NFL among linebackers with at least 100 snaps. Now, to be fair, Bell is actually not playing a whole lot as of right now. Like when you look at the linebackers that have played the most this season, Bell is obviously not exactly close to them because he didn't start in week one as that 50% snap count player or 60% snap count player or whatever. But still, Marquis Bell on Sunday versus the Rams, big time game. He was number one in the team on stops, had four of them. He did allow three catches in coverage. He was targeted five times, allowed three grabs. He didn't allow a single first down, which is probably why he also landed the highest coverage grade from Pro Football Focus among Cowboys defenders. So he had a better coverage grade than De'Ron Bland and Safon Gilmore than the safeties. Bell out coveraged them in that sense. And this time, something was different. Marquise played in 73% of the defensive snaps. For context, the second most that he's played this season was 53% versus the Chargers. So to me, for Bell to actually ramp up his playing time all the way to 73%, that is very meaningful and that is very impactful for me because for somebody like him, again, undersized, playing such a difficult and physical position, being able to be on the field for over seven snaps out of ten, that is an achievement in and of itself. And very excited about what's next for Bell because he definitely seems like he is the guy that is gonna make up for Leighton Banderesh's absence, where we thought that maybe Rashawn Evans being brought in, it would be some time until he basically inserted himself into the rotation potentially. But right now it's very clear that it's not even a conversation. That is Bell's job and that is Bell's job alone. Now I do want to add something about this whole thing. This is not only a Marquise Bell achievement. This is a Dan Quinn achievement and a teammate's achievement for Marquise Bell. He had an excellent quote after the game where he tried to describe Marquise did what things are like for him on the field. And I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, I get lined up and basically I'm being told where I'm going, what is my gap, what is my assignment. So it feels like the Cowboys are actually micromanaging marquees and his assignments on the field, which is not easy to do when you are worrying about a thousand other things while you're playing, right? So even if it's somebody as experienced as Bandarash or maybe Clark right now, for him to be told every play you're going here, this is your landmark. This is this, this is that you get him. If he runs deep, especially like in a heavy match NFL where you're communicating within a play it's just really a team accomplishment what we're seeing from the Cowboys today so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a solid 10 for him he deserves it in my opinion he has exceeded every expectation that I had for him and he's honestly playing at such a high level that I barely believe it honestly let's see here Mark Aaron says I think Clark would be better more physical uh, says Mark Aaron. Clark has had some good moments. Clark has had some good moments for sure. Justin says he's a biscuit away from being a linebacker regarding the size of Marquise Bell. Toxic says, especially for a team that drafts well and holds on to the drafted player, for a UDFA to make this much impact is impressive. That makes sense too. I do think the Cowboys are more willing to play the UDFA's than we might think though. And Justin says Bell is still not a linebacker though. And, you know, with the whole size thing that we're talking about, Justin is right in that sense. But he has been a linebacker. Like he's not played safety at all this season. He's undersized, he's whatever, but he is a linebacker today. He's also, uh, Bell has also talked about this and he says, I'm a hybrid. I'm not a safety, I'm not a linebacker, I'm a hybrid. That might be true, but he is still in in more practical terms for the 2023 season so far, he has been a linebacker. And the fact that he's doing it at at such a level is just a testament to Dan Quinn's mindset regarding hybrid, versatile players. There's this amazing book in case you're interested in The X's and O's in the coaching call hybrids by Coach A, Cody Alexander, who you can find on Twitter. And he has a sub stack. He does a fantastic job breaking down defenses. And all of that book really centers around this idea of modern defenses, matching modern offenses through players that are positionless. And, man, Dallas is one of the leading examples about that in the NFL with Jaron Kears. With Marquise Bell, with Micah Parsons, even I'll say with, I'll say this like with Bland in a different way, where he can play outside and inside in a pinch—that is impressive as heck. But yeah, the two most underrated Cowboys on the team, Ozo Dizuwa De and Deron Bland—definitely my solid answers. Let me know in the chat: Is there other underrated player that maybe we didn't talk about? I'm interested in seeing your answers. So let me know that in the chat. I'll get to that in a moment. And then we'll get into the trade deadline conversations. Cowboys reportedly interested in one player. Who knows what to make of that. Uh, But I know that Cowboys Nation will not take it very seriously. And I'm proud of Cowboys Nation for, for looking at it that way. But still, interesting report that came out today. Before I do that, though, Mark Aaron, love that answer, man. I absolutely love this answer from Mark. He says, Chuma is better than what I thought. And I think that's better than we all thought after seeing him in training camp. Because, you know, unless you're there in Oxnard, it's tough to really gauge what the true level of a player is. Heck, in the regular season, when we get all 22 tape, when we get all sorts of replays and this and that and stats and breakdowns, etc. cetera. It's, it's still difficult to know what a player really is like, even more so in training camp. But the people who were at Oxnard agree that Chuma was not looking great, but he has taken it up a notch for sure. Even on Sunday when he kind of had these low start versus the Rams, settled down and looked good the rest of the game. So I, I do agree with Mark. Hopefully Chuma He's ready to go by next week. He did suffer a low ankle sprain, so he has an opportunity to be ready to go for Philly. And hopefully the Cowboys do not need him in the first place. Uh, Mike McCarthy said that he does not expect Tyron Smith to practice on Wednesday, but that he has a shot. And Todd Archer from ESPN reported that he wanted to play versus the Rams. But the Cowboys helped him out. Doctors did. And of course, keep in mind, Every game that Tyron Smith misses probably costs him around five, uh, about 5% of the snap counts for a season, which would translate to about a million-dollar loss each and every game that he misses. Let's see here. Other underrated players. Marcus Jones says, Turpin. Man, I will agree to that one, too. The, the work that he's done as a returner has been pretty impressive even though we already knew what Turpin brought to the table as a returner. Uh, They mentioned this on the broadcast, and we mentioned it when the Cowboys played the Patriots, but Bill Belichick called him the best returner in football, and apparently he is very right on that one. Cannot wait to see him break one, man. I want Turpin to break one so bad. Turpin also from Gregory. That was his answer as well. Ron is his branding cook's. Uh, Tyler Viadish for Toxic Tom. Let's see here. Who else we've got? Don't hear much on Gilmore, Mo says Katharina. I'll admit that Stefan Gilmore is one of those players that might be a little bit overlooked because, as good as he is, like people already knew it's Stefan Gilmore and people knew he might not be the same as before. So maybe that's why he's being overlooked by some people. Well, I agree. Uh Stefan Gilmore has had better numbers than I feel we all believe. Aubrey, says Jeremiah love that as well. Aubrey has been great for the Cowboys. So some good numbers right there in the chat for y'all. Now let's get into the trade conversation here very quickly. Because man oh man, reportedly the Cowboys are interested in making a trade. How- And I don't know about that. Here are the details. Benjamin Albright, who is an NFL insider, more than anything, a Broncos insider, went out there and he tweeted out that it was not only the San Francisco 49ers that were interested in Chicago Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson. Now, Johnson has been on the rise. This is his fourth year in the NFL, and he has been nailing it. He is one of the best cover cornerbacks, statistically speaking, shows up on film. It's definitely his best season yet in the league. The problem is the Bears are a mess. Whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's their division to quarterback that they're playing right now, they're not in a position in which they are expected to compete at all. Heck, they are not competing, even when they had Justin Fields. So they could be perceived as sellers ahead of the deadline, which is tomorrow, by the way, 4 p.m. Eastern. After that, no more trades. So it makes sense that Jalen Johnson could be for sale. Uh, there are some Chicago reporters indicating that he will stay put, that the Bears will not move him, which would make a lot of sense. in. Sense that you know, I've mentioned this before, I'll say it again. We all accept that you cannot have enough defensive ends in the NFL today. I think at this point, the same should go for cornerbacks and even for wide receivers. So, you get Jalen Johnson in the trade market, you're bound to have suitors. And Benjamin Albright reported that the San Francisco 49ers were one of them. They also reported that Buffalo had interest on him and Dallas as well. So it's the first report, quote unquote, and I say quote unquote, because it was just a tweet. It wasn't like Albright was putting out a detailed report, but still it is the first official-ish tying of the Cowboys to a outside player ahead of the trade deadline. I don't think that we've heard about anybody else. I don't think we've heard from anybody else that the Cowboys are targeting this or that player. Jalen Johnson is the one thing we have heard about this whole thing. So several questions that will come up with that. Number one, Albright can say all he wants, but are they really into Jalen Johnson? And are they really potential trade partners with the Chicago Bears? I'll say this, I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic because what the Cowboys have shown us year over year is that they are unlikely to pull the trigger on such a trade. They're they're just unlikely to do it. It's not how they operate. Especially because Johnson is pretty young, is a rising player. He might not be very cheap in terms of trade compensation. He's set to become a free agent in 2025, which uh, in 2024, excuse me, which helps, obviously, but it's still not a a cheap player. In my opinion, he would probably cost like a third rounder, especially when you get the 49ers interested and the Bills interested. I might be wrong about that. Usually trades end up being cheaper than we think, but still the Cowboys allegedly interested in this guy number two question that i would have is where does he fit and i think that's to get he is an outside cornerback and we are at the point where i'm not sure that you want to mess with blant's role on defense he is killing it dayron Bland is i don't know that you want to move him again I don't know if you want to go into that snip, snap, snip, snap situation with your starting cornerback right now because it is working. And I don't know if you would pay the compensation to bring in somebody that you have not really seen in the slot because, again, Jalen Johnson has played on the outside for most of his career. Most of his career has been on the outside. That being said, there's also the matter of what about after 2023. Could the Cowboys be willing to pull off a trade for Jalen Johnson, thinking about life after this season, because Stefan Gilmore is not exactly young, right? He's not. He's also not like a player that might retire right after the season is over. But he has been in the in the league for over ten years now. He's only signed through 2023. So there is no long-term relationship there with the Cowboys yet, at least. Could the Cowboys maybe say, you know what? I'll get Jalen Johnson. He'll be my cornerback of the future. And then next season, we'll have Trevon Diggs back. We'll have De'Ron Bland in the nickel slot. And we'll have Jalen Johnson. That will be one of the best secondaries in football. Maybe, maybe. But again, I'm not buying a whole lot of this story. Uh, I just think the most likely outcome out of this is that the Cowboys do not trade for Jalen Johnson. Heck, the most likely outcome might be that Jalen stays put at Chicago. Because if you're the Bears, you're also not selling just because you're selling. You're selling the players that are quote-unquote replaceable, I think. And and I don't know that a rising cornerback is somebody that you want to get rid of. Gregory says, Mo, what do you want San Francisco would want for Trent Williams? I don't think they want anything for Trent Williams. I think they want tra- uh, Trent Williams. I don't think he is for sale. Uh, I mean, everyone has a price, I'm, I you know, but the only way that I could see that happening is if we just make up something that is too good to be true, as in you know, starting caliber players, basically. I don't think that they would get rid of Trent Williams right now, even with the injuries. Let's see here. They need a slot corner, says D-Webb. That is a good run supporter. Gilbert says that is a distraction to cover up for the real trade. Could you imagine that? Eddie Jackson says toxic. Are you talking about the... The... Who is? Uh, where is Eddie Jackson these days? Because he was with the Bears, which I guess is why he was brought up. He's still in the Bears. I think that's what who you are asking about, Mark Aaron. There, what about him? I don't know if the Cowboys would be in the market for a safety. I'll say that because I think that the Cowboys would only trade for players that they either desperately need or that they like the depth and they can pull off a very inexpensive trade to bolster that depth a little bit so yeah i don't think i wouldn't buy into the whole trade storyline but i did want to cover it because it might have been one of the most important news of the day honestly from the cowboys and now before we get out of here ladies and gentlemen so we can watch the end of game three of the world series you know what time it is it is time for us to get into over reaction monday here we go Ladies and gentlemen, you know the rules. I'll give you a statement and then you'll say in the chat whether that is an overreaction or that is a fair reaction. So here we go. Number one, and this is a Cowboys related one. When Leighton Van Der Esch comes back from his neck injury, he will be a backup. Is that an overreaction or is that a fair reaction? Let me know in the chat. What do you think about that one? We've talked about Marquise Bell being so good. We've talked about Damon Clark also looking pretty comfortable at linebacker. Are they enough to potentially bench LVE? Let's see what you guys have to say in the chat. I started us off with a difficult one because I'm not even sure what I think about that one. Let's see what you guys have to say. Katharina says overreaction. Peter Rizzo goes with fair, toxic. Gregory and Mark and Ronnie go with overreaction. So people are not buying into that statement. I'm going to go with slight overreaction. I don't think that they would bench him. He is a communicator of Dan Queen's defense. I do think he makes things smoother. And I do think he's better than what many Cowboys give him credit for cowboys fans give him credit for so i'll say slight overreaction but i don't think that the cowboys would just straight up sit marquis bell he would still be on the field pretty often maybe through a more frequent rotation at linebacker we'll see how all of that works that being said let's get to number two right now and this is an nfc east one after week eight, where the Cowboys dominated the Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles struggled versus the Commanders for the second time this season, the Cowboys are winning the NFC East. Let me know in the chat, is that an overreaction or is that a fair reaction? I'm starting you off with two Cowboys once, and then we'll open it up to the NFL. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. I'm going to go with overreaction for that one. I'll just say it while you guys drop your answers in the chat. Uh, Not there yet. Uh, We need to see what happens in week nine first, and then we can get into everything. But it is definitely close. I believe so. Eagles have won a lot of one-possession games, and that's not the way to do it in the NFL. So really excited about seeing what happens next Sunday. I don't know who I'm picking yet, by the way. That is a tough game to pick. Very tough game to pick. I'm not sure who I'm picking yet. Katharina says fair. Dwayne says fair. Marcus, fair. A lot of people are going with fair in the chat right now. Kimberly as well. Jerma as well. Justin says, we want the East and the number one seed. Gilbert says fair. Ronnie says fair. Oh, my God. A lot of fair reactions here. I think Toxic is the only one who went with over. I'm going to go with slight over. They still have the mathematical edge on the Alice. So I want to see week nine first before I say fair. You know, Philly Philly has shown up in some big spots. So we'll see what the Cowboys look like in their second big spot of the season. Because so I think it would only be the second one, right? You could say Giants in week one was perceived as a big one. But we all know how that played out. I'm going to go over for now, over for now. Very excited about this game. Tush Push is going to be a storyline with what Dan Quinn said today. He said he's got something cooked up for the Tush Push. We'll see if that is true or not or if that works or not. Let's move on to the rest of the NFL, though. I have a couple more for you. And here we go. The Kansas City Chiefs are not the favorites in the NFL what do you think about that one? Overreaction, fair reaction. They did lose to the Denver Broncos. And some people are panicking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs after week eight. You know, we are used to having Patrick Mahomes take their offenses to the next level. And now it's week eight and there's still dropping passes and everything, fair reaction or overreaction the kansas city chiefs are no longer the favorites in the afc you could maybe talk about the ravens you could maybe talk about the Bengals. maybe not a whole lot more though which is a thing there the dolphins have had some issues as well let's see what you guys have to say though overreaction for toxic big time let's see here Gregory goes with fair katharina goes with fair Jerma over, Gilbert fair. So a little bit of a 50-50 going on right now. Albert says that it would be the Ravens for him. I'm going to go with over. I think, I still think it's the Chiefs for me. Ravens are a clear number two right now, in my opinion. But I'm going, I'm going with the Ravens so far. With the Chiefs, excuse me, still. Because their defense is legit. And I do believe they are going to figure it out. Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Reid, listen, I don't care about the numbers. I trust those two. The same way that I did Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in their time. When everyone was ruling out the Patriots, they always showed up. And I think that is the same case for the for the Chiefs. I'll hit you with one more and then we'll get out of here. But I'll say this. Their best player, Taylor Swift, wasn't on the field for the Chiefs. Tim team. Team is right, man. They missed Taylor Swift. Catherine says, even with Taylor Swift drama, let me say this, especially with the Taylor Swift drama. I'm sorry. We support Taylor Swift here on Primetime, even though, and I won't let him hear the end of this. I won't. Sky, if you're watching this, you cannot tell us that you didn't know who Taylor Swift was. I'll challenge you. I'll challenge you on that one. I'm just kidding, man. Uh, You guys know that I'm a little bit of of a Swiftie myself and my girlfriend is to blame for that. Now, final statement of the week, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll get out of here. (laughs) Toxic Tom, man. Sky has been asleep since 6 p.m., Mo. Man, why do you do him like that? Shout out to Sky, man. We need to do a crossover show again. We haven't done that in forever, so hopefully soon we'll do that. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before I get out of here, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Not a top 15 quarterback. Overreaction, fair reaction. Let me know in the chat. It feels like the interceptions have cut up to him. The turnover worthy plays are, have cut up to him. And now he's turning the ball over. Three straight losses for the 49ers. Brock Purdy, not a top 15 quarterback. Let me know in the chat. Fair reaction or overreaction? Katharina starts us off with a fair. Gilbert with a fair. Toxic says overreaction. QBs have rough patches, just like Dak. Gregorys is over. Joey Valles is fair. Gilberts is fair. With this one, I'm gonna say fair. I'm gonna say fair because I just do not have him inside of my top fifteen, and he's very close. He's like right there. He's probably 16th, 17th for me. The last time that I put these names on a list. But he was making me doubt with the start to the season that he was having. But right now I do think some of the same issues are still popping up. And I think that's an issue for him moving forward. But do not get me wrong. He can be outside of the top 15 and still be one of the most efficient QBs in the NFL. And he can still make the 49ers A legit contender in the NFC, if not the favorite in the NFC, even though they've lost three straight. We'll see how it all goes. But yeah, rough patch for the 49ers right now, especially with the health issues. Somebody has been asking about Rashawn Evans. Somebody has been asking about Rashawn Evans. uh, Has not played a lot. He had like seven snaps, I believe, on defense. I have not evaluated those seven snaps on defense, but still um, not a whole lot to go off, even if you do. So it will probably take a while to see more from, from Sean Evans. We'll see with the rise of Marquise Bell and how Clark has been playing too. Maybe we don't get to see a lot of him bearing any injury, which would be good too. Would be good. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight on the show. Thanks so much. For tuning in. As always, I appreciate you taking the time. It is the bottom of the sixth right now in game three of the World Series if you're watching live. So it is time for us to go out there and dive into the baseball. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for tuning in. Hit the like button for me and I'll see you el día de mañana. Muchísimas gracias. Bye bye.